Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Every year in the church calendar, we have a Sunday set aside to celebrate the baptism of our Lord. We call it Baptism Sunday, and it's a time for all of us to remember that this is one of those moments in life that Jesus has shared with all of us. When you really think about earth and its atmosphere being a little bit like a terrarium, uh, there's always been the same amount of water upon the earth, some of it in the atmosphere, like the rain that we had this weekend, some of it uh, in the oceans and the rivers and the lakes, and some of it inside of you and me. We're, uh, we're all made up of cells that have water in them. So we have borrowed some of the earth's supply of water just to sustain our lives. Put it that way, and maybe some of the same water that washed by Jesus as he was being baptized on his baptism Sunday is inside of you right now. What I really want to say is that the water that Jesus received at his baptism is the same water that all of us received at our baptism. We share this sacrament with Christ. Now, all of the Gospels mention in some way or other who Jesus really is. But the Gospel of Luke is very abrupt. There isn't any description of the water or, or anything like that, or of John even pouring the water on Jesus' head. It just says there was a lot of people there. They were filled with expectation. They thought maybe even John himself was the Messiah. But of course, the prophet Malachi had prophesied years before that before the Messiah would come, God would send a messenger ahead. See, I'm sending my messenger to you, and he's going to turn the hearts of children to their parents and the hearts of parents to their children so that I will not come and smite the land. And when Elijah comes to prepare the way, then Messiah will follow soon after. It's why at Passover celebrations, even to this day, at some point during that telling of the Haggadah, the, 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 the tale during the meal, they'll open up the door and see if Elijah may not come in. And they always leave a chair for Elijah in case God will take that day to fulfill. Now, as Christians, we believe that God has brought that day. But at the time of Jesus, many of the authorities and many of the rulers had come to the belief that the time of the prophets was over. Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, that they had their day, and that was the time when God was speaking through the prophets to speak to his people, but that God was no longer speaking to anyone. In fact, they would say it like this, that the only thing people could hear was the echo of God in the scriptures. We have people who think like that today. We have these cartoonish images of God being on the far side of some other place and we point up or we point out and we live our lives as if God is apart and separate from all of us and that we have to make no accounting until the very end. So we try our best to live our lives within the rules as we listen to the echo of God and at the end of it all, God will sort it out and decide who was good and who was bad and throw the rest out with the dishwater. 
This is how we live. It's, it's, it's ingrained in many of us. It's in the way we talk about God. Well, when I get to the pearly gates, then there will be a sorting out. The thing is that Luke wants the church to know that the mechanics of how Jesus was baptized was of far less importance than what happened on the day that he was baptized. And on the day that he was baptized, the whole idea of baptism went through a transformation. Because up until Jesus, many ancient cultures had rituals of cleansing and washing and purification. Many times in the Old Testament. Remember when the prophet Elisha cured Naaman, the, the foreigner, and he told him, now, don't have to show yourself to anybody, just go down to the river and wash yourself, and the leprosy will be cured. You'll be made pure. The place where John the Baptist most likely got most of his teaching, the Essene community, uh, was, were people uh, with, with elaborate rituals of cleansing and washing. And if they had an impure thought or if they did an impure deed, they would go through these elaborate, they would sometimes ritually wash themselves six to seven times per day to try to stay right with God. And of course, every time they're doing that, all they're doing is washing the dirt off all they're doing is, is purifying themselves from something they had already done. But John the Baptist said, the one who is coming after me is going to have a much different kind of baptism, a much different kind of ministry, because he's going to baptize you with the holy wind and with fire. He, John had been talking about the chaff and the wheat as he was illustrating what Jesus was going to do. That when you take your grain in, when you gather in the wheat, it's covered with a kind of papery substance, a chaff, and what they would do is they would stick their fork in and they would throw the chaff with the grain up into the air and it would break the husks and the chaff would blow in the wind up against a wall to be caught and then they would set fire to it and burn it away because it wasn't good for anything. You couldn't even use it for mulch. And what you had left in the granary was all of the pure grain. And this is what John was saying that the one who would come after him would do. is to purify us from the inside out. You've heard me talk about the carpet illustration before. You get that stain on the carpet. My land, where did that come from? And you go and you rent the rug doctor or you get the professionals in and they scrub and they scrub and they scrub and they do it all and it looks pretty good for about three days. And then you look down and you say, my land, where did that stain come from? Somewhere down underneath the carpet is the source of a stain that we can't see, and it keeps bringing the stain up. Friends, this is what sin is doing in our lives. We see its outward manifestation everywhere, but down deep, fundamentally deep in us, there's something going on that causes the stain to keep resurfacing. And John was saying, there's somebody who's going to end the cycle of sin and repentance and sin and repentance because he's going to purify us from the inside out. He's going to peel open the carpet, find the stain, and take it out of us. And there's a clue as to what Luke is saying at the very end of this passage. Remember, these were people who thought God was no longer speaking, that the voice of God had been silenced in the heavens, and all you could hear was the echo of God. And when Jesus had been baptized and he was praying, said the scriptures, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form as a dove and the voice of the Lord was heard. This is my son, 
my beloved. Listen to him. Listen. Listen. Listen, church, God is still speaking. For the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives means that we are no longer left to sift through the echoes of God's word, but God is speaking to our generation. God is speaking words of justice. God is speaking words of truth. God is speaking words of righteousness. Let those who have ears to hear listen for the word of the Lord, for he has thrown open his church to people of every age and nation and race. And all who call upon the Lord shall receive their salvation. Listen, church, God is still speaking. We have work to do because we work on behalf of one who is active in the world and not waiting for some day when there will be pie in the sky. God is fundamentally active in our world today. And we're going to change the life of a young man this morning because we're enlisting him into that community that hears and responds to the word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. It changes our destiny. It changes us. Whole new choices and opportunities are going to be open to Mateo that would not have been there before. It's not that his parents didn't love him before and it's not that we don't love him. It's that Jesus Christ has sent his spirit and God is loving him too. I heard tell the other day of somebody who as a fifth grader went with a friend of hers to a camp and it was a non-denominational church camp and, and uh, as she went out the door, uh, for whatever reason, her parents just said, now remember when you go to this camp, remember you already belong to God. Um, the second or third day of camp, she said, she uh, went to a little activity with the rest of them and somebody was standing up, a counselor said, we're gonna have communion now for anyone who has been baptized. Well, she had been baptized as an infant, just like Mateo. And so she came walking up and the counselor says, have you been baptized? And she says, yes, I have. And he said, you don't go to our church. No, I'm a friend. I go to this other church. I was baptized as a child. And the counselor told her, your baptism doesn't count. Because Jesus only wants those who are aware of what's, and understanding what's going on in their heart. That's, that's the only way it counts. Now, can I just stop right here and say, can you imagine if we treated citizenship this way? Can you imagine if none of us were Americans until we understood what it meant to be an American? Sometimes I think our immigrants are the ones who understand us best because they don't take it for granted anymore. But this is a sermon about baptism and what happens. And the active ingredient, to use marketing terms, in baptism is the Lord God. And what God does right once doesn't ever need to be done again. At the very end of the week, they had a big time where they gave an invitation to give your heart and your life to Jesus and come down to the river and baptized, be baptized. And this woman, now grown, said, I stood there as a fifth grader by myself on the hillside. Something in her had told her God was already with her and that her baptism was Full, in full effect. And I want to say this morning that I don't understand the kind of community that treats baptism as a symbol of new birth but holds it 
until the very end of a life. So that we have no access to any of the rights and the privileges and the gifts of the God's kingdom until we have somehow come to measure up in some way. This is not the message of baptism. Baptism is birth. Does anyone here remember your birth? I think it's the great grace of God that whatever happened as I was coming into this world, God made me forget it immediately. And that we don't get memory until a few years later. I thank God for that. And our baptism is much like this. Whatever we have been up till now, a new start comes in our baptism. And then the growing starts after that. Turn to the person next to you and say, how is your growing going? Yes, indeed. We are growing in Christ. And every day God is purifying us. Every day God's Spirit is active among us. And, and not just individually, but as a church and as a people, as his church in the world. And we're bringing Matteo into this today. What a gift. What a blessing. What a powerful testimony. We get to see God raise this man up into grace. And while we watch, we get to watch God raise us up too. Oh, remember that you are baptized. Remember that you belong to God. Remember that in Christian baptism, the Holy Spirit is given to the church. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen.